Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast for our Sunday services. Please open your Bibles as we dive into our study this morning. Good morning. I don't know if it's just me, but this was one of those mornings I didn't want the worship to end. And it wasn't just because I'm teaching and I wasn't ready to come up yet. What a gift we have from the Lord to be able to sing praises to Him. And uh, it's just a time where it's about Him, not about us. So, thankful for that. If you are joining us, we're in Luke. uh, Luke's Gospel. We're still in the first chapter. So, actually, last week uh, we started in the Gospel of Luke as Pastor Steve V. opened that up for us. Um, But we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1, and we are in verse 26 this morning. And not to forget, uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you wonderful moms out there. So, Father, we thank you, and we do uh, celebrate this day, um, mothers, Lord, and just... Getting to see now in my own wife the sacrifice that it is to be a mom. um, Something that's, even seeing it, I still don't understand, Lord. And yet, uh, you're aware, you know, you see nothing is hidden that's done. And Lord, nothing that's done unto you is done in vain. And so would you bring a great blessing, Lord, and pour out uh, your spirit with comfort and peace and joy over them, Lord. Now we ask that you bless this time uh, we spend in your word. Lord, teach us, instruct us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It also, uh, in, in God's timeline, so we started the Gospel of Luke with, I can say, not keeping Mother's Day in mind, Um, But we just so happen to be talking today about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And one of the things that I love about being a part of a fellowship that walks through the Word, where we pick a book and we set out in faith to journey through it, taking Scripture as it would come in that order, uh, is the way that that Scripture can so often align up to the times or presents itself relevant. And this morning we see it just so happens that we're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, on this day, Mother's Day, that we celebrate as a culture. So what a a neat uh, little thing that is we have. But Luke 1 and verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Two things I see here as we open up. And and by the way, we have, uh, I think by the end of chapter 1, there's 80 verses. Um, And we will attempt to cover all of that. And my commitment is to do that within the time I've been given. So... But two things here right up front. An angel was sent, but to where and to who? An angel was sent, we see, to Nazareth, and to who? A virgin. That might not mean a lot for us right up front, but um, I want us to take that apart just for a moment. Okay, Nazareth. Um, Refresh your your memories, if you have familiarity, of the gospel stories and other accounts as we have it. There was a man named Nathaniel. When he heard that Jesus was coming from Nazareth, he asked this question. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's actually a dangerous uh, section of scripture for me to bring up because I've had the privilege of Uh, preaching a whole message before on just that one question. And so I'll try to stay out of that and stay in our text this morning. But that's an intriguing question to me. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not a place that people talked about. And if you were a Nazarite, you were a nobody. 
Okay, you were not of any stature. You weren't uh, at the forefront of people's minds. You weren't in conversation. Um, that's what it meant to be from Nazareth. And an angel was sent to Nazareth. Also, we see that an angel was sent to a virgin. Okay, this angel Gabriel was coming to speak a word of conception of birth to a woman, a young woman, who had never known a man. Speaking a word of conception to a woman who could, in no possible way, be in a state or a place in her life that she's conceived, how she's a virgin. And so it's easy to look at the physical. It's easy for you and I to look at our location. It's easy to look at what we're working with and say, there's, there's no way um, God could show up in my life, in this place. Not here, not locationally, not physically speaking, not uh, with what I have to work with, not with my abilities, would it be possible in our minds to ever see a way that God could show up. And it's easy that we gauge our lives thinking about um, physical matters. There's no way God could meet me here. I'm from Nazareth. Or I'm a virgin. The angel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth and he was sent to a virgin. I love that. There's a lesson that we can draw out of this. And we're going to get to learn a little bit more about um, Mary this morning. What we learn about Mary and what we're quickly going to see in Scripture is that she was one who found favor with God. And it has nothing to do with where Mary came from. And it has nothing to do with what Mary was working with. A Nazarite, a virgin. And so where do you come from? Maybe you're one who's used to being passed over in life, or maybe you consider yourself as being the one who's come from the other side of the tracks. Maybe you feel like you've entered into life with a deficit. Maybe you just straight up don't like what you're working with. Maybe that's you. Um, thank God this morning. That's not the point. Thank God for Mary. The point was not where she came from or who she was. The point was going to be about God and who he was. And the angel Gabriel came to Nazareth. How about where you're at right now? I mean, I know it's hard for us to even venture there because we're all in Whitefish, Montana. Such a beautiful place, locationally speaking, that we are. But as someone who's gotten the chance to travel out of this area... When you tell people you're from Whitefish, Montana, they proceed to ask, what is a whitefish? Um, I actually get to tell them it is an actual fish. Um, it's not bad eating, not the best. But it is a place, Whitefish, Montana, believe it or not. Okay, how about where you're at now in your mind? Maybe uh, you're not where you wished you're, you were. Think about that. Maybe you're not where you wish you were. Maybe you're not where you wish you were in your marriage. Maybe you're not where you wish you were in your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with your friends. Um, maybe you're not where you wish you were in character and maturity. Maybe that's you. Maybe you aren't where you wished you were. And yet Mary was a virgin and she was way behind. She was way behind. She had a great deficit for a word of conception to be spoken over her. Maybe you wish you were more advanced than you are. And thank God it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that it's all about Him. Mary had found favor with God. Verse 28, And having come in, the angel said, to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, when it comes to Mary, she's been greatly misrepresented 
across the board. But I find myself perhaps on the other extreme or the other party who's forgotten about Mary, this woman, the mother of Jesus, a woman whose scripture has given a great place in the gospel story, in the story of the life of Jesus. And so she's been misrepresented by some. Mary has been exalted to a place that she's actually been put as an equal to Jesus. She's actually been put as one who herself is perfect and without sin. And this would be a misrepresentation of who Mary is. Mary in her own confession, as we're going to see, would confess her great need of a Savior. Recognizing that she too... As just a woman. There's nothing special or different or unique about Mary. However, if you fall in the, the camp where you've gone to the other side, do not forget with me about Mary. Mary must not be forgotten, for this is the mother of Jesus. As I was thinking a little bit about it, I was thinking about my own wife and what it means for her to be the mother of our son. As you look at a mother and the bond that she has with her child, you start to learn something about what this relationship must have been like, what it must have meant for Mary. Actually, um, Shannon and I were talking just for a minute about this last night. And as I was asking her the question, um, don't take this as blasphemy. This was a hypothetical situation. I said, imagine if our little son, our little boy, was Jesus. And she said, as she was starting to think about that now, imagining what that must have been like, what would that be like? She goes, I wonder if he slept through the night. <laughs> I mean, he was without sin, right? And I was thinking, how is it I, I guess I never thought of that. I didn't realize that not sleeping through the night would make you a sinner. And she said, well, it's not that that's sin. It's that it's what it does to me. It causes me to stumble. It's what uh, I do when, when he wakes up. I tried to get him this last night, uh, but the whole bed was wet and his clothes were dry. And I said, I don't know what this means. I, I need help. <laughs> Does, one plus one is not equaling two here. So, uh, you know, we sing this song, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? But that's, that's a real valid question for us to contemplate and ask ourselves this morning. And, and may we not forget, Mary was the actual mother of Jesus in the flesh. And, and did she know, did she know that she was raising the Savior? And as she's sharing these things we're going to see this morning, surely she knew there was something special about this child. You know, so often for me, I find myself thinking about Paul and his relationship as it is with Jesus. And this morning, we're going to see Mary and her relationship as it is with Jesus. And it's, it's one that's to not be forgotten. We will get to see the heart and the mind of Mary. We asked this question, Mary, what was it like? You know what was said of Mary? That she was uh, a highly favored one. Look back here in verse 28. Rejoice, highly favored one. Highly favored one. Now, God sent Gabriel to Mary, not because of who she was or what she had done, okay, but because she was one who, again, in Scripture we see she's found favor with the Lord. It had more to do with God and a lot less to do about Mary. And this phrase, highly favored one, is a phrase that we actually only see used one other time in Scripture. And it's a phrase that's not been reserved just for Mary. It's actually, and the only other time we see it being used is set apart as well for you and I. And what we see in Ephesians chapter 1, and this is us looking at how Scripture uh, 
paints the picture that, yes, while Mary has found favor with the Lord, so too have you and I found favor. You see, yes, Mary was favored of God, but so too are you and I. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, we see this, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. And that's the same phrase we see here, highly favored one, translated here now in this way, accepted, okay, hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I love that scripture because you know what it tells me? That we're accepted in the beloved. Okay? Um, Not in our location. Not where we've come from. Not in what we're working with. That's not why we're accepted. Uh, We're actually, we're not accepted because of our personality. We're not accepted because of uh, our abilities. We're not accepted because of our works. We're accepted in the beloved. And it's also said of Mary, blessed are you among women. Not above women, but among women. So, Mary's been misrepresented, but she's not to be forgotten because of that. Scripture gives her a place, and may we as uh, followers of Jesus give Mary a place that we at least contemplate Mary did you know and now in verse 29 but when she saw him this is in reference to the angel Gabriel she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was and we we're going to see um, in the life of Mary just how much she was a woman who considered things who took time to stop and give thought Um, what are we considering this morning. I know lately for me, I've been giving an awful lot of thought to what color of tile I want in our bathroom. Um, However, Pastor Steve challenged us last week as we are entering into the gospel and into the, the book of the gospel according to Luke that we consider Jesus And this morning, as we're looking at the life of Mary, you know what we're really doing is we're considering Jesus. Because what we're going to learn about her life is her life had an awful lot to do with the life of Jesus. Looking in verse 30, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your room and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So here in these uh, few verses, and I think it's always important for us while in Scripture to point this out when it presents itself to us. Here we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being discussed, mentioned, put on the scene for us, put on display for us to see. And that's vital to our beliefs. It's important that we see Scripture saying that. But one of the things that we take out of this as well is Jesus shall be called, not become. You see, he already was. Jesus being born doesn't mean that this was going to mark the point of his existence. Jesus existed. You see, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among men or tabernacled. What was being born was his flesh. What was being born was this tabernacle. But Jesus... Long before the time of his birth, as a man, already existed. Um, Why do I make mention of that? What does that imply this morning for you and I? Um, He left heaven for you and I. He laid some things aside. He laid aside being with the Father to come and hang out with a bunch of sinners. Jesus laid things aside. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 say this. In light of that, in response to the example of our Savior, what am I unwilling to lay aside that I should be willing to give up? Look at what this scripture says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. We talk about considering, we look at the life of Mary. She's a woman who considered this morning we would do well to consider. This reality is that Jesus came down from heaven, perhaps a reality that we're familiar with. But this morning, in light of that example then, may we allow for the Holy Spirit to search us out and see if there's anything that we can respond to in light of that example, if there's anything that the Spirit would show us that we too ought to lay aside for His glory. So moving on in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angels, how can this be since I do not know a man? In verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, we see a very similar response to this revelation as what we saw in the life of Zechariah, as we heard about last weekend. Um, however, Mary's approach to what could sound like on the surface, a similar response is very different. For Mary, this was a question of the future. This was a question from Mary that was full of faith. How can this be, for I am a virgin. In other words, she's saying, Lord, I believe what you're saying. I just don't see yet how this is going to come to pass. I don't see how you're going to do it. Lord, I believe. Um, show me how you will do it. Tell me how you will do it. It's, it's a question full of faith, not one questioning his ability as to whether he is able to do it or not, but rather just a simple inquiry of how will this be done. It's uh, one of wonder, one of curiosity, one of belief, one of faith. How? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, I love the focus of our text this morning, you see Mary is saying, I am a virgin. And the angel Gabriel is saying, but let me tell you about the Holy Spirit, the one who will come upon you in power and overshadow you, who will cast a shadow over who you are, over where you come from, over the deficits you think that you bring into this life, over the negative balance of which you think you start. Faith does not focus on who I am. Faith focuses on who God is. And when we think to ourselves, and as in Mary's case, I am a virgin. When we allow for God to be God in that moment, this is how God is able to deal with us. He responds to us. And as the Spirit gives application he responds to us by saying, yes, you are, but here's who I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door, the true vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I know what you are, but this is who I am. And Mary gave God that opportunity to be God in her life. She did not discredit God because of where she 
could have seen herself as being way behind in this word of conception. In verse 36, we're moving on. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of your Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. With God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing, um, literally, that translates for us, no word. And that word impossible translates for us powerless. With God, no word will be powerless. The words of God are not without power in our life. Not even at the deficit of who we are, of where we've come from, of what we're working with, or if you're like me, what you're not working with, what abilities you don't have, what you don't possess. With God, no word will be powerless. Now, I love this scene in the scripture that we're looking at this morning because God is an encourager. And He doesn't just push Mary to believe. Believe it, Mary, because I said it. He's an encourager. And you know what? He comes alongside and encourages Mary with a testimony and with a story of how this word is true and it's come to pass in the life of another. You know, for you and I, we're encouraged to just take Scripture at face value. But we understand God often will put a face for us to that value. He will often bring a testimony, bring a witness, bring a story, bring some kind of something to come alongside that Word and show to us that this is true and God is now through the angel Gabriel encouraging Mary through the life of her cousin Elizabeth who at the age of 80 has conceived a child another impossible situation and yet here is an example of where with God nothing is impossible and how many times can you and I say The Lord has been so faithful in a time when we needed Him to come along with a testimony, with a witness, with a story, with someone to encourage us in our situation where we find ourselves and yet we see no way, but it inspires us and it spurs us on to belief and to faith. I remember there was a point in time as I was down in Guatemala. At this point, my wife and I weren't yet married. Um, We had actually just started getting to know each other. And uh, those were difficult times for me. Um, I love my wife and I love her for these reasons. But at the time, I don't know that I felt uh, so much love towards it. So so here's what I mean. Okay, Um, She guarded her heart. Very, very strongly. And uh, she was not going to just give it over to me quickly. I was going to have to earn that um, right to be given this heart that had been guarded for so long. Um, Our first date, we're talking and um, somehow we get on the conversation or the topic of food. And I, I asked her, I said, so do you like to cook? You know, and in, in, in her mind, she's going, okay, this is every man wants a woman who can cook. Um, so I'm going to tell him, no, no, I don't. I don't like to cook. I don't know how to cook. And, and she literally told me that. Um, and yet today, I know she's a good cook. She can cook. She does like to. Um, one of the first things I learned about her through her mom was how much Shannon loves to cook and how great of a cook she is. And yet, this was what I was dealing with. And so I was trying to navigate, 
how the Lord was, was saying, and is this relationship that I was forming with her was one with the Lord, and He was confirming to me, yes, she is the one. I'm going, I don't know. I don't, I don't, she doesn't see that, Lord. You seem to be convinced, but I'm not so sure she is convinced. And I remember a brother coming down uh, to Guatemala, and he was sharing with me about he and his wife and, and their season uh, before engagement as they dated. And he said, you know, um, and it's, it's been rare for me to find these stories, but the Lord knew exactly who and when I needed this encouragement to come from. And he was sharing with me how um, he and his wife did not say these words, I love you, until they were married. And this was because she was not going to say it. And he was not uh, going to do that until he knew that she was on board with it. And uh, he was saying, just another brother in the Lord who could resonate with the Lord saying, yes, this is the one, but those feelings of a woman whose heart is guarded as it should be, as it should be. And I just needed that encouragement. And so this is what I'm saying. The Lord brings a face to these promises. He brings a testimony. He brings a story. He brings a witness. He encourages us in that way. And for Mary, she found this encouragement. Now, if we take nothing more out of our text this morning, if I don't speed up, you're not going to get anything more than this. So um, verse 38 here, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed for from her. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, that's great. For Mary, this was not an easy thing for Mary to say. Mary was literally saying, sign me up. Sign me up for the rumor mill. Open my life up, Lord, for people to look on and say all they want to say about me. For people to gossip, for people to draw uh, false conclusions. This was what Mary was saying. Why? Imagine Joseph now in all of this. What about Joseph, the man she's betrothed to? And in our culture, we do not understand what season they found themselves in. To, to be betrothed, they were at the point where legally, in order for them to separate, they would have to, they were legally bound. And yet, the, the, uh, their coming together had yet not been um, consummated. They had not, not yet had a wedding ceremony, but at this point, they're legally bound. And the times they spent together were only spent as they were accompanied by a chaperone. And so for a woman in this season of, of engagement, as we look at it in our culture, for her to conceive or to become pregnant, you know what Joseph had the right to do? He got to pick up and throw the first stone that would be thrown as she would be stoned to death. You were now, your life was now open to the death sentence. And this was what Mary was saying. Let it be to me. Lord, sign me up. Put me on death row. Put me on blast. Put my life out for all to see. Let it be to me according to your word. And the belief that Jesus was born out of infidelity, that was a belief that was rampant. It was a belief that was all throughout. It was one that was used as others would argue against him about his godlikeness, that he came out of infidelity through this virgin Mary. How is it that Mary could say this? You know, Mary realized this reality, there's freedom and submission. There's freedom and submission, especially when we know who it is that we're submitting to. And thank God, He deals with you and I according to His Word. Because we've found favor in His sight. According to God's Word, you and I have found favor in 
in His sight, and it has nothing to do with where we've come from, and it has nothing to do with what we're working with, with our abilities. All right, consider this thought. Mary carried Jesus in her physical body. For Mary, the time of conception, there was going to start a process that over the course of nine months, every day was going to become more and more evident that Jesus was in her body. I don't know if you've ever seen a woman who's full term, but there is no mistaking at that point. It is safe to say there's something living inside of you. And for Mary, there would come a point where she was going to bear the reproach and the shame of carrying Jesus in her physical body because there would be no way to hide it. And you know for you and I this morning, if indeed this is true, Christ lives inside of us and does His life in me. Is it so evident that people who look on can see it? I'm going to confess something that hopefully causes you to not feel shamed by this reality if, if um, you go, man, maybe not all the time do people know Christ lives in me. Yesterday I'm getting my hair cut and the barber asks, uh, do you have any fun plans? Or I can't remember exactly, but he opened the door for me to share with him about my weekend. And as I'm sitting in the barber chair, and I feel like I'm... I can't even explain it, but there's, there's a row. It's quite an odd barbershop. All of the people, there's a row. I hope the owner's not in here. I don't think he is. Okay. Um, you're sitting here in the chair getting your hair cut, and then all the people waiting are just lined up right here. And it's that real barbershop atmosphere. I mean, every word that's said is heard by everyone in the whole deal. And so I'm thinking, like, I can, I can just jump there and go, like, you know, because to me what's cool, it's... It's amazing to me that I'm standing up here doing this with you guys this morning. Why? I know where I've come from. I know how unlikely this is uh, due to my past, due to who I thought I was, where I thought I was going. And yet I decided to just keep it shallow and tell him about my day yesterday, which involved mowing lawns, um, which was still being done because Christ lives in me, but... I I gave an honest survey of the room, and I thought, you know, do I really want this to go one direction or the other? And I just decided to take the soft pedal approach. And yet the reality is, it should be so evident of Christ living in us that people look on and they know, they see, and just as Mary carried Jesus... It was clear for all to see. So now, uh, we we might just end this morning without completing Luke 1 out. We'll see how we handle these next 10 minutes. But um, verses 39, I, I promise now we pick up. So 39, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened... When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded, in my ears the babe leaped, In my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So I want to make sure we see this. Um, What does God have to say about a child in the womb? For one, he looks and calls this child a babe. He looks and calls it a babe. And not only that, he takes this child in the womb and shows us that this child in the womb already has the ability to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it already has the ability to leap with joy. This is what Scripture has to say about a child in the womb. Forget now 
what the world has to say about a child in the womb. This is God speaking. This is what God has to say about a child in the womb. And so we take that to heart. And if this is the first you're hearing of that, there is no shame to what your view has been prior. But may we understand God's heart that from the time of conception, He looks at and says, there is a child that is now living who can hear, who can leap with joy, who can respond, who can be under the influence of the Spirit. And one of my most favorite things about my wife being pregnant was coming home and getting to hear um, each season, each week, every week presented this new shape of a fruit. And every week I got to see, now he's the size of a blueberry, a whatever. Every week he was just growing, 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 growing. And, uh, you know, there, there are whole books dedicated to the process of the growth of a child. And we need not get into all of that this morning. But we just understand this is a a very uh, detailed process. And so verse 46, we're now going to look on at what we know um, is this song of Mary. Okay? The Magnificent is what this song's often been referred to as we see these first few words, my soul magnifies in the Latin. uh, We get that term, the Magnificent. So here we go. My soul magnifies the Lord, verse 47 And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has, please notice the inflection of my voice. I'm I'm saving us time by pointing this out. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Now, not that those two words are more important than others, but there's two things we pull out of this that I want to leave with us. Mary's focus is on what he has done. Eight times she says this phrase, he has, he has. Now think about this. This is Mary, a woman, no doubt a service, a, a, a servant, a servant of the Lord. And, and for you and I, servant, works-based people, look at the song that Mary sings. Her focus is on what He has done and how so often our song can become about what we have done. And for Mary, she has a little advantage here. The Spirit is filling her, but she also had to be willing to allow that. What a, what a noble thing as a young woman. And the second thing we see about Mary, um, now I, I won't even attempt, for one, there are direct connections to Hannah's prayer as she's seeking the Lord, pleading on His behalf that she would uh, bear a child. There, I, I've heard somewhere, anywhere from 12 to 20 plus other references to Scripture to the Old Testament that are uh, referenced in this song alone. Okay, and, and, and Mary was not um, sitting there going, all right, let me, let me flip through and string a few scriptures together. No, this is, this is Mary's heart as the Spirit comes upon her now and draws out what is within. What's being drawn out is, it, it drawn out is a lot that is revealed about the character of this young woman. The, the uh, student of God's Word that she was, the scripture that was just stored up within, that now the Spirit has access to pull out and turn into a praise given back to the Lord. 
And so as I think about that, I want to read this. It appears by the whole frame of this holy song that the blessed virgin was well versed in the scripture. Which she here makes so much use of in sundry passages she had by her much reading made her bosom Christ's library. As a father saith, and may seem to have been exercised in the good word of God from her infancy. So what's in our heart? What's our song? What do we sing? What's, what's in there when the Spirit comes upon us that He has to draw out to give back to God as a praise? I know what it is to be empty, and I know what it is to be full. And I would say, let's give the Spirit something to have to draw upon when He comes upon us. Let's put things in. Let's be students of God's Word. I know you don't think I can, but I'm going to finish these last verses in six minutes. We're going to read to the end of verse 80. And uh, whoever's up next week, if they want to retackle this, they can. But Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard now, the Lord had shown great mercy to her. They rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. Verse 62, So they made signs to his father, what he would have him called, verse 63, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Now look, for, for nine months, Zechariah has been silenced. The Lord's been dealing with him. No opinion, no suggestion, no, well, God, what about this name? What about that name? Look at how the Lord's dealt with Zechariah. His name is John. That, no questions asked. I'm not, I've, I know better by now. All right. After nine months of God dealing with me, I will not question, even though we have no one in our household by this name, do not ask me why the Lord has said it. And so it is. Verse 64, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. All those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. What a question. What kind of child will this be? John, what kind of child? What a, what a miraculous series of events. What kind of child is this going to be? And we know that this was a man who was under the Nazarite vow. This was a man who was unlike other people in his age. Imagine as John grew up and what we're going to see in the last verse of chapter 1 where he spent his time in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. John was unlike other kids of his day. Where did he spend his time? He spent his time in the wilderness. This was a man who was uh, set apart different than Others, the Spirit of God was upon him from the time of conception since he was in his mother's womb as a child. And of John, it was prophesied that he would be a prophet. Of John, we are, it's made known that he would be a prophet. What kind of child will this be? We could spend our whole morning speaking on that. Now his father, verse 67, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, there's, there's two trains of thought here Zacharias is going to be under. The first is his full focus is going to be on Jesus. Nine months of silence. What's he going to say? Also, God's Spirit is now back on the scene. 400 years of silence. What's the Spirit of God speaking? Zechariah and the Spirit of God, both breaking their vow of silence, are speaking words about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what it's all about. 
Their full conversation. We learn from this silence being broken this morning what it's really all about. Verse 68, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us and the house of his servant, David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our Father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called. This is now Zechariah speaking of his newborn son, John. I just thought to myself, being up here dedicating last weekend my own son before the Lord, listening to what the Spirit had to say, I could not imagine what it would be like to be receiving these words from the Spirit of God about your son. Listen to this. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Verse 80, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the days of his manifestation of Israel. The man John greatest among men. And yet where was he trained? No other place than in the wilderness. Raised in the household of a priest. And yet God recognized what I'm going to do with this man will require of him lessons that can only come through the wilderness. And who are we to think that we can learn the lessons God has for us outside of the wilderness. And so this morning, we've learned. We've learned a lot, and I apologize if I've passed through something uh, that perhaps could have been given more weight, but ultimately, as any good Sunday Bible school scholar would walk out of class with, what this morning was all about is Jesus. That's what the Spirit's been speaking through the angel Gabriel to Mary. That's what the Spirit was speaking as he he came upon Mary and she began to magnify the Lord. That's what the Spirit was speaking as he broke the silence, loosed over Zechariah, and he's now speaking prophecies of Jesus, this one who is to come, our Savior, Emmanuel God with us. Thank you for joining us as we studied the word this morning. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.